It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author. And not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with me today. Today I'm going to do a show on some things that struck me over the weekend. And one of them was, I happened to live in Beverly Hills, and there was a very unexpected uh, lightning strike on Venice Beach, completely unexpected. And as a result, one young man who was 20 is now dead, another person who's critically injured. But what it had me look at is that, you know, none of us are promised tomorrow. We only have now. And for those of us who have done our own personal work, what we really want is we want to be happy in our now. We want to have and be able to create satisfying lives and lives that have meaning. And so as I watched as I watched this, I was like struck by wow and listening to how the you know this young man had impacted people. And I went what you know when are these events what happens after events like this for people and one of the things i am aware of is that many times people will start an affair or start doing something with uh, another person because when they face their own mortality when people come out of surgery, I've had men tell me that, you know, their wife came out of surgery and as she is in the recovery room, she literally looked at him and said, I'm going to be divorcing you when I'm out of the hospital. Completely, he never expected it. But what she had, she had had something that made her go, you know what, I'm done with this relationship. I have seen it when people lose family members, when they have, you know, a sudden death in the family. Of course, all of us have probably seen the same thing when someone loses a child. Losing a child can be one of the most stressful things in any relationship. So what I looked at is what, if this is the event, if these are the trigger events for affairs, and I, I had the conversation with Dr. Pepper Schwartz when she was my guest, I asked her what would be the one area that, or areas that you would now look at as a sociologist. She's at the University of Washington. Her first book, uh, well, her first, excuse me, it's like her 20th book, 
called The Normal Bar. And looking at, she said, I, she would look at the different forms of non-monogamy and the negotiated forms and really look at the question, what will happen if one of us should have an affair? Not could, might, but if, because she said that is a more likely event that just doesn't get addressed. And having an affair does not mean the end of a relationship or the end of a marriage. So with that in mind, I started looking at some of the people who I very much respect in my field. And one of them is Dr. Esther Perel. And I looked at her, some of the comments that she was making to a presentation to a group of different therapists on why do people cheat, why is there the affair, and what can you do? Honestly, the majority of therapists have been trained within certain modalities that if there is an affair, the person has to be outside of the affair before you can have them in therapy, which is not the case, that it might not be the best time because the person's brain may be awash with all of the, you know, the, the non-thinking hormones and they're focusing on you know, this, this person with tremendous passion and they're not focusing on the reason that they may likely be coming in for therapy. And the other thing that I looked at was, when she was talking about this, we really have a setup that has it be the perpetrator-victim scenario. And she goes back to say that the reason she started focusing on affairs and the, and the American fascination with affairs, not so much the European, but she said it was when Clinton was going through his, um, when he you know, was discovered to have been fooling around. And look, it isn't the first time he did it, okay? It just so happened they went after Monica Lewinsky with a vengeance. But when looking at how people were so fascinated by his fooling around, not what was, how was the marriage being taken care of, not that there was a family unit about to be, you know, pulled apart. And what Perel talks about, and her surname is spelled P-E-R-E-L, um, Esther Perel, and her book, which is outstanding, is called Mating in Captivity. And, you know, the thing is, there are affairs, and then there are what we know as revealed affairs, affairs where someone finds out about it. Because I have to tell you, I know a number of people who have had affairs that the other person never knows. Now, whether someone would hold that as good or bad or indifferent is not the point of, you know, thing that I want to talk about here. What I want to talk about is we have an opportunity to start looking at affairs and this and non-monogamy within a different, with different lenses, because we no longer have your monogamous for life. We now have monogamy for a period of time with one person. That's typically how the, the setup goes. And yes, 
there can be, you know, there's, there's likely to be the feeling of a betrayal when an affair is revealed because someone no longer is the focal point. Someone is no longer the most important person. They are no longer, they no longer have that hold or that something that they felt they had had before. And, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of a marriage or the end of a family unit. And what Perel talked about is when it was that, that there were reasons for keeping the family unit together were much more important, and there was the compromise on why one would stay in a relationship. Now, I'm not telling anyone to stay in something when you are being emotionally hurt, when you are being, if there is something that is you know, traumatic or something that is incredibly negative. If there isn't something that can balance it out for you, you shouldn't be there in the first place. And make that, you know, and, but here's another reason why affairs occur, because people don't or can't of their own volition end a relationship. So they do passive-aggressive crap, which then ends up having the other person pull the trigger. I see it happen with women all the time, that there's someone who um, is lying to them, someone who is fooling around, someone doing something that is so not acceptable to this person. And then finally, she's the one who files for divorce or ends the relationship because the other person, whether it's a man or a woman, wouldn't do it. So keep your eyeballs peeled for passive-aggressive behavior as well. But let's just jump back in here for a second. There are ways to address things after an affair or after a betrayal or after someone has done something that you did not feel was to the benefit of between the two of you or to the benefit of you or the relationship. The one way which will not keep things together is when someone is constantly still angry and constantly still accusatory. That It just can't happen. How can you possibly create and bring back in connection? You can't. The second way is what I call, you know, killed with silence. Now, there's more violence in silence than I think people have any idea. And I've seen where they just won't talk about it, but it is that pink elephant that just keeps growing in the room. And the third way that couples can address something is if it's, they both say, look, what was my part in this? How did things move forward? And look at, do we see a future? versus the person who is still being, you know, the detective and wants to know all the details. To me, I understand people wanting to know, but what you also have to realize, the real thing that people have to be focusing on is what was the underlying reason for it to happen in the first place. Now, I'm coming up to my one minute before my first break, and by the way, I have five pages here of talking about affairs and what one can do and how you can change them. Then I'm also going to be talking about the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer, which people say is not, you know, uh, showing the BDSM world the way that it is. People, Fifty Shades of Grey is not a book about bondage, dominance, sadomasochism. That's part of the play. But we'll talk about that after I finish with talking about affairs. And then I'm going to share with you my absolutely new guilty pleasure, which I 
think is fascinating. I've spoken about it briefly with Dr. Pepper Schwartz, and I have to tell you, I'm so looking forward to tomorrow night's show. I'm just, I, I truly, it is a visually addictive thing for me to be watching. So we're going to continue talking about infidelity, why the affair, what you can do. Can you affair-proof your own relationship? Depends on you. Then we'll talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, and then I'm going to talk about my new guilty pleasure. Take care. Please stay with me. I'll be back right after the tunes. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Just before the break, I said that I was going to be finishing talking about affairs. One could go on with those for, like, forever. And then I'm going to talk about the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer and Fifty Shades of Grey. And then I'm going to talk about my new guilty pleasure. But continuing on with affairs, here's one thing that I would ask most people to look at is 
do you think you can affair-proof your own relationship? And honestly, uh, given you know what you can do with your behavior, but truly, you cannot do that and, and affair-proof it um, from your partner's standpoint. Unless you're with them 24-7, you really can't do that. And here's the other thing. Affairs can occur when people are very happy. They, you know, they want to stay in their, you know, relationships or marriages, but they may want to, you know, there's someone that they just meet or they re-meet, and it's often, you know, circumstance. But the real thing that often will cause affairs to happen, and I see this all the time, is there is an opportunity and someone is giving someone attention. And I talked before about Esther Perel, and she was talking about that there was a woman who uh, they, he had literally not touched her in eight years. And, you know, she says, she asked, you know, she said, so what is the meaning of this affair here? And the one time when she did approach him, she got pregnant with their second child. And when the husband did finally find out, he was seriously hurt. He was very upset. And what Perel said is that, and I'm talking about Dr. I'm talking about Esther Perel here, who is the author of uh, um, uh, Mating in Captivity. There we go. <laughs> I knew it would fly into my brain here at one moment. And she said what she was so curious about is, and, you know, admittedly he was, you know, seriously hurt after finding it out, but she was so interested in the fact that he wanted to know everything about what she'd done, but he was completely disconnected and uninterested in what he hadn't done. I mean, and the things that, that he had done. I mean, his indifference, he neglected her, he stonewalled her, he ignored her, and then he couldn't figure out, you know, and then he had this sort of like, and this is that perpetrator-victim attitude. And in many ways, you know, people can let a partner down without there having been an affair. So his behaviors were behaviors that were not the taking care of her in their relationship. And if you've ever been in a marriage where someone does not want to be there with you, I can assure you there is no place in the world that is lonelier than a marriage bed with someone who does not want to be there with you. It is paralyzingly lonely because that's where people feel and assume you are going to be being taken care of. And in many instances, that's not the case. So I ask people when they're getting into a relationship, why are you choosing this? And that is going to tie into my guilty pleasure, which I'm going to talk about in the, in the final segment. And we have to look at, you know, and, and she, uh, Perel quoted Alexander Dumont, who said, the bonds of marriage are sometimes so heavy it takes three to carry it. And indeed, that may be the case, but there are times when there are relationships that are open and negotiated. There are affairs that are just strictly mental, which whether that would be online and, you know, you're with someone else online, like in Second Life or, or another place where you uh, fantasize or that becomes your main focus, or there's the straight-out, you know, clandestine adultery. Oh, I must share with you. 
I happen to live on a very quiet street in Beverly Hills. Like literally, if you are not on this street, you do. If you don't live here, you are not on this street. So last week, I am looking out the window, and my kitchen window sort of looks right out the street, and I see this white Escalade pull up tinted windows. And all of a sudden, I see this guy yank his shirt off. And I'm looking at like his hairy back. And I'm like, did I just see that? You're kidding me. And then he like leaps into the back seat. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, did he lose something? Did he drop something? Well, all I had to do was wait approximately another five seconds. A black Lexus pulls up. And this woman jumps out of the car, looks around furtively, runs up to the Escalade, yanks open the door, and jumps into the back seat. And you know that thing where they talk about if it's rocking, don't come knocking? Well, I got to tell you, this Escalade was like bouncing. And I'm watching this, fascinated more so by, okay, how you know, animalistic it is, okay? So I work in the area of sexuality. Yet what I also, I know that these two, this is something where they both like careened off the main street, stopped in front of my house, and they're on a hill. This was, I'm watching what and how someone who is not having part of what they feel is their sexual appetite being taken care of. Well, you know, 25 minutes later, I I have to admit, at one point, he did roll down the windows because apparently it was getting a little too warm in there and then rolled them right back up again. But I watched them get out of, you know, her jump out of the, the truck again and then run back to her car carrying, you know, the little bag of, you know, whatever it is, you know, body fluid things. And that, you know, he's wiping off his face and sweating and But what I saw was also they could be that physically connected, but as they were leaving, there was such a loneliness quotient about this and got to the end of the street and he turned and went one direction and she turned and went the other direction. But what really the thing that struck me is this is not something that is a new behavior for these two. That part I can probably assure myself that they do this on a regular basis because when she again so in other words this is literally two people who have lots to put at you know who have lots to lose okay but so this is that clandestine you know uh co-joining of body parts i guess one would say but what i found amazing is that it was like, as she was driving away, she just sort of, like, just did a little tiny little wave. And I'm like, that's how much it means? So, anyways, the you know, there's all kinds of things that people will do. And as I always say, it isn't what people will do. It's how they justify what they will do. So, anyways, with the affairs, I ask people to look at why they're in the relationship in the first place. What is it, you know... And I will often see that the reason men have affairs with women who are in their offices is, A, the power dynamic is already in place. No one has to change anything. He's still the boss. But also, 
many times men will be have affairs with women where people will go like this. They'll have that little dog, you know, like that little tilting of the head where it goes like this. What? <laughs> and it's because that person makes them feel powerful, period. I see it on an ongoing regular basis, and I think if you look at it yourself, you might see exactly the same thing. So if we're looking at what, what Perel looked at is why are we giving and so willing to just say, that's it, divorce, I'm out of here, and not look at the infidelity, whereas in other cultures and countries, the infidelity, the divorce is not the thing that people are, that's not the, you know, the default knee-jerk response. She also mentioned something which I find quite fascinating, that the number of suicides in the military, which is a tragic you know, statistic to begin with, and she said a lot of the military suicides are not PTSD, just PTSD-related. They are infidelity-related. And myself, with other uh, members of my other colleagues um, do a presentation with a group called Road to Recovery. And these are for severely injured soldiers who are coming back from OEF, Operation Enduring Freedom Afghanistan, and OIF, Operation Enduring Freedom in Iraq. And if you think for a moment about who is in the military, they're young. And they will come back and their spouse will have started you know, being, and these are often marriages, not of long duration, with another, you know, person. And so they come back, they're out of the military area, they're no longer military, you know, and, or they may still be, but they're not, they don't have that direct focus of this is what I'm going to be doing. And then they don't have the support system that they had been counting on when they came back. And I'm going to have to, you know, check with Esther on this because I know that when I have watched young men commit suicide, one of the main times that it happens is at the is at, after a traumatic breakup. And we're talking early 20s, and if they had waited like one week, one day, something, things could have shifted and changed, and unfortunately... That was not the case. So we will wrap up this segment here with the, you can affair-proof your relationship on your behalf, but really you can't do anything about your partner. The attention is one of the most important things, and your attention, hear me out, people, your attention is one of the most seductive behaviors you've got. And if you, too, are very observant, you might be observing some interesting things out your front window one of these days. And I have to admit, I'm keeping my eyeballs peeled for that white Escalade. It had very unique rims. (laughs) Back after this break. This is 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom in ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper-middle-class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're an Excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com and join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question be it function sensation or something you've heard this is the spot it's sex talk with lou on toginet.com and now back to your host lou paget 
Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back. Oh, and by the way, that uh, the Escalade and the uh, Lexus, I, I did make a point of getting the license plates just in case they happen to return to my street again. Anyway, uh, I'm going to start off this segment with the, uh, my dis- the little, few little comments about Fifty Shades of Grey, the trailer that has already had people making comments. And I, I, I want to give everyone equal airtime on this. Yet what I find so fascinating about this book, this, this trilogy, the majority of people who are making comments about these books haven't read them. They have not read all three of them, and they are looking, their first thing they're doing is they're looking at it to be critical, not just to be entertained. I mean, the idea of this book was that it was to be entertaining. So here's the thing I would ask people to do. Before, like, let, let's be honest here, there's no way that you'd be trotting yourself out and go and tell people all about a movie that you've never seen, right? No, you just wouldn't do that. That's, as we would say, inappropriate behavior. Well, I think it's also inappropriate behavior for people to be talking about a book and books they haven't read. Do your own work, get it through your eyes, through your own filter, and then please be my guest and you can have all kinds of comments, you, you know, as much as you'd like. The many comments that will come back is that People in the BDSM world, bondage, dominance, sadomasochism world, are saying that they think that it's just too, the, the trailer is just too entirely vanilla. Well, how the frick would you know? <laughs> really isn't anything there for you to see. It's an opening of a door, okay? It's you're hearing, you know, you're seeing her from the shoulders up. You're seeing her with a blindfold on. And... You're really not seeing a lot. So obviously this is their interpretation of what's been coming out of the book. What I ask people to look at is please understand, these books are about a love story between two people who have no idea how to be in relationship, neither of them. So I'm going to debunk some of the initial issues that people had that when they first were hearing about the... uh, characters. And when, <laughs> and, and I, I, I'll just go down them, you know, point by point. These are some of the things people go, oh, well, there's no way this would ever would have happened. And the first thing is that Anastasia is a virgin when she's 21. Look, there's plenty of women who are 21 and a virgin. Just because it's past age 18, which is when the majority have their sexual debut. That does not mean that there aren't other women who are virgins. Yes, there are. They most, most assuredly exist. Then they attack and say that she, there's no way she can be that orgasmic. Well, why not? Now, is it rare that that is the case? Yes, and the reason it's rare is because invariably, if it is a peer first sexual experience, both of them don't 
have a lot of experience, and both of them don't know much about their bodies. But he does know about women's bodies. So before you're saying that Mr. Gray, you know, is only into certain types of things, that was his initial download. That was what he mentally had been cued to. But what, what does he do? He said, yes, I will, you know, I will, you know, have sex with you. And he knows what he's doing. And she may be highly, highly sensitive. So the fact that she has an orgasm first time she has sex, I think is more attributable to the fact that she is highly attracted to him and he knows what he's doing. Okay. Then we have another one where it says she's never masturbated. Some women have not. This is not unusual. And it really depends on how someone has been brought up. And if you go back and understand what the storyline is, her mother had relationships that were kind of not 100% together. I mean, she has a great relationship with her um, stepfather, who she absolutely adores, who was her dad. And, you know, the women who write the thing saying, well, she, um, the whole thing of Fifty Shades of Grey is giving uh, permission and license for women to be abused. Oh, come on. I'm going to hit the BS meter on this one mainly because the woman who wrote that article, her number one focus as a researcher is to find things about women being abused and in abusive relationships. So she had to find something with this after she'd read, I believe it was 118 pages out of, I believe it's almost, it's like 1,600 pages, you know, 1,625 pages is how many pages are in the uh the three books of Fifty Shades of Grey. And this researcher read 118 pages and made all kinds of suppositions and assumptions um, about what was going on in Anastasia's life, one of them being that she had bad relationships with men because she had, you know, um, so many stepfathers. First off, her father died when she was like six months old. And then she had this great relationship with Ray, who was her stepfather, who she still does to this day. There was another one after that who she did not like, which is why she went and lived with Ray. And now her mother's married to another guy. So she doesn't have a lot of awareness of women choosing partners well. And her mom is, you know, tends to be a little bit of an airhead. Lovely, but a bit of an airhead. So the thing about never having masturbated before, this is, this is not a woman who was tuned into her own sexuality. Now, let's go to the next one. She's never been drunk before. And what does that tell you? She's never been drunk before. Some people have never done drugs before. Some people have never, you know, had alcohol before. This isn't that, you know, she's, you know, pure as driven snow. It's just that was not of interest for her, okay? Then people jump on the bandwagon and go, it's very poorly written. Well, actually, it's not. It is very well written within the formulaic Harlequin romance format. And that's what it's based on. It's Well, it's, you know, it's a... A love story based on the formula of he's older, she's younger, she's out to explore the world, he's going to show her how, and, you know, it's not the, the whole thing of saying that, that she's not all of these things and that this writing was terrible. No, the writing was exactly the way it was intended. So, and the thing of, you know, the simultaneous orgasms for some couples it happens once they understand their own sexual response patterns. So, and then here's the other one. 
because she could fillet like a pro. In other words, she could go down on him and knew, you know, what to do without, you know, apparently ever having done this before. Hey, you know, some people are just really good at certain things. It doesn't mean she, you know, that that they have to poke a hole in this. It may be she has a very open back throat and very little gag reflex. I don't know. But what I do know is that the things that people say that they have the real issue with, to me, they haven't really looked at these books. The whole thing is not only about the the bondage and dominance. It is about the exchange of power play, which is what people enjoy and which is the turn-on for them, that they are able to do this with a partner. I'm not in that world, so I have to ask my friends who are. And the real, you know, I have files on them so that when I get asked, I'm able to respond accurately for people. So that's my comment that I think if people look at Fifty Shades of Grey as something that is to be a form of entertainment, it has brought more people into clubs and areas where they're interested in um, exploring this with one another. Remember when I was talking about all those affairs? One of the things that often ends up being a little bit of a boomerang that comes back on couples, particularly men, is if they want to try swinging and they want to go to a club and they go with their partner because typically single men are not allowed into a swinging club by themselves. They don't want any of these lone wolves prowling around. So the woman goes in and he needs her tacit approval to go. She goes. And then what the the kicker is, is that she may discover something about her sexuality because here's the deal. The women are the ones who do the approaching, not the men. So it often ends up being, and as this one man said, he says, let me get this right. You're over there. You're both in there. And you're watching her go and do things with someone else, and you just have to stand there. And I said, that's right. He goes, oh, no, there's something so wrong about that. But what it is, any time you involve a new level of sexual experience, you involve a new level of heightening a little bit of risk in your relationship. So uh, please stay with me. When I come back, I'm going to talk about my new guilty pleasure. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. This is Toginet, cutting-edge radio. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. 
Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Okay. My new guilty pleasure is a show on A&E called FYI.TV, and it is called Married at First Sight. And my guest, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Pepper Schwartz, is one of the experts on it. And so I was like, okay, I will, you know, I knew of this, because Pepper and I are both on the leadership council for the uh, first Endowed Chair in Human Sexuality, uh, which is at the University of Minnesota Program in Human Sexuality, their med school. So she was telling me about having shot this, and because it is, in essence, in a reality style, she could not talk about it. She can talk about it after things air. Well, lucky you, this is, tomorrow night will be the fourth episode. So here's the background of this show. My understanding is that the original came out of Denmark and they looked at this as a social experiment of matching people who are, you know, genuinely, you know, they're not, these are, these people are grounded, thinking, self-aware individuals who have not had a lot of love in the sect and the the love life world. So what I, the first one, the the show, is um, how the people came to be part of the the show. So here's the premise. They arrive, and they're being told that it's about people to uh, be guided by experts. So as a sociologist, PhD sociologist, that's where Pepper came in. There is... Uh, another colleague by the name of Logan Levkoff, and she is the sexologist. Greg Epstein is the spiritual advisor. He's spiritual advisor at Harvard. And then there is um, another gentleman who is a psychologist. And they are, his name is Joseph Salona. So what they do is they used, Dr. Salona gave a very, very in-depth uh, questionnaire the type used by FBI, the type used to look at what are people really looking for. Now, they had um, a couple of hundred people who showed up for this, the um, initial run-through and, you know, to invite them and tell them this is what's going to be happening. But they did not tell them that what this whole thing was going to boil down to was the experts were going to choose 
a partner for them based on their information, and they would meet their partner at the altar. So it is an arranged marriage, and they know nothing about this person. And when I say nothing, they don't know their names. They would meet the person at the altar. <laughs> Karina just went like this, gasp. <laughs> and the, but what they did, I mean, these are, this is a very serious responsibility for these people in choosing. But what they were looking for, and this is when I talked about with the affairs and everything, why are you choosing the relationships you're choosing? So what these couples did is they, like in over like a period of a week, two weeks, they went through this testing, then were told, we have a match for you. They get ready, they tell their families, um, and they literally meet at the altar. And one of them, and I'm not going to give anything away, I'm not going to, you know, no spoiler alerts here, but some of the reactions are not at all what you're going to expect. Some might be. And yet, when you watch the show that talked about how they matched them, this was very, very nuanced. And for one couple, he has the most loving, grounded, totally pulled together, solid family. And that is exactly what she wants. She's never had it. Her mother was in and out dealing with all kinds of drugs and different marriages, so she never saw a really good relationship. And that's one of the couples. And then another couple is that, and here's the thing, Pepper, Dr. Schwartz, she went and interviewed them, met their families, got everything they could to look at how and, and what would be their most ideal person. And then they selected from this pool. Now, as Pepper said, she was quite sure that the moment that they told them that they were going to meet at the altar, it was an arranged marriage, and they'd never, you know, they would not have met the person before. She said, I thought the room would clear out. And it didn't. She said, that's what shocked her. It didn't. But when now we're coming up so First thing is when you see the people and them being selected. Then you see, second show was um, the weddings and the matches, okay? And then the third show was their honeymoons. So imagine meeting someone at the altar. Now, And you know what? I do know of people, again, it was an arranged marriage, definitely, where they literally met at the front of the church. And it was a woman, and it was from someone in Mexico. It was a woman who had, uh, it was her sister. And she said that she never, she had never even seen him until she saw him at the front of the church. Now, in this case, they are looking for, can these, now, there's a serious prenup. It is a bona fide marriage. And the reason that they were looking at it as a marriage as opposed to just start dating is that in arranged marriages, they have such a small divorce rate. And they have people who know that they are going to be working on this relationship. They are committed to being part of it. Because I'll tell you, the reason 
why many relationships don't continue. One person decides they're no longer interested in being part of it, and either by behavior or by words says, that's it, I'm out of here. So with this, with the matching of these couples, you then see them go on their honeymoons. Now, of course, the question then is, you know, do they have sex on the first night? I'll let you find out. I already know, but I'm not going to share because that would be a you know, little bit of a buzzkill for you. And, but what I did really, what I'm really enjoying about this is watching people who are making a very, very concerted effort to make a relationship work. So they've gotten, you know, uh, I mean, what type of a body are they attracted to? What kind of a look are they attracted to? What kind of value system do they have? Greg Epstein, Matt, I mean, he did a fabulous job with one of these couples because of how very faith-based both of them are. Another one, it's that he has been very rigid and he wants someone who's a little more, someone who is more outgoing than he is. They found that person for them. Yet, what they have to do now is they have to learn about one another in reverse, which is really what arranged marriages do. You know you've made your commitment. So with this next segment tomorrow night, um, it's going to be where they're moving in together, okay? Now, the marriage is, you know, this is a social experiment to see if science can match together properly. I mean, the guy who's got Match.com, he swears by it because he uses all kinds of uh, indices and, you know, matrices to make sure that, you know, metrics, pardon me, to make sure that people are matching. And the thing that most people don't often see is they may not see, why, why am I saying this quietly? Majority people don't see themselves in exactly the same way the rest of the world does. So they may not see something that is a truly charming characteristic about them or something that they just don't... Because the main strengths that we have are invariably, and listen up, people, they are invariably the things that are the easiest for us to do. And we poo-poo them as being, oh, because there isn't a lot of work in doing them, we don't give them enough credit for being powerful tools, okay? So if someone is incredibly kind or someone is incredibly aware of people, they may think, oh, that's really nothing because they can do it so easily. It's like someone who can sing very easily. They don't give themselves often credit for that. But for other people, they know that's not the world's easiest thing to do. So this show, this Married at First Sight, there's parts of it in last week's show that were literally laugh-out-loud fabulous. And I think if people are looking at, you know, and with, with Esther Perel's work and with other John Goodman's work at the Goodman Institute in, I think it's up in Seattle area, but they say, so your first marriage may have ended and you may stay Stay in that marriage, but you're creating a second marriage. So you may be in a relationship right now, but this may help you to look at your relationship in a different way and to create more of a focus for yourself. You are entitled to be happy. 
you are entitled to be truly, truly loved. And you can't make a relationship work on your own. That's one of the dumbest things that people do, is they keep doing all of the work for both parties. No, this should be something that is a meeting and a support between both. Because for most men, they want to be with a woman they're proud to be seen with, the other men in the room want to be with, and who has their back, okay? And women, you know, I'm reading articles, women want men that, you know, are going to be able to take care of themselves. I had a woman who's 65, and she said, look, I'm not interested in being a nurse or a purse. I want a guy who can take care of himself. (laughs) I thought that was a rather um, astute observation. And depending on where we are in our lives, it very much will determine what kind of a choice and selection we're making. So if it's about the partnership, if it is about marriage, if it is about a spouse, if it is about a good father, if it is about someone who you can share many, you know, uh, your, your interests, your faith, you have to be really honest. And here's the thing. Don't make a list that is 500 points, okay? Make a list that has three, three points and try and put it into that. And then when you focus on that, focus on it for, how long is it? I think it's 68 seconds. You are basically going to be able to create, and the law of attraction, when you focus on it for that long consistently, the universe is going to start moving things, and you're going to pull in what you want. Okay? But be really honest, and don't talk about what you don't want. Talk about that you want someone who is athletic, not someone who's a slob. I don't want a slob, but you do want a neat person, okay? So that's just a little helpful tip here. So I'm going to enjoy my Married at First Sight tomorrow. Thank you for being with me, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye for now. for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget. She will 